Welcome to Midweek Service Wednesday night. I'm so excited that you're tuning in. And this Wednesday night is special because it is Passover and we've been doing something all week long. Hopefully you've been tuning in. You saw Monday night and last night, Tuesday night. But with all the bad news going on in our world, our nation and our city right now, we really wanted to take some time every night to convey the gospel message. We're all seeing the bad news, but this is still good news. This message that Jesus came, he lived, he died and he was resurrected so you and I could have a relationship with our Father in heaven. This is still good news, y'all, and I really believe as we focus and hold on to this message that we will live with hope, peace, and joy in the midst of a really difficult time. And one of the things that's been really good news and just brought so much joy and encouragement to Christine and I as your pastors is the spirit of generosity that has hit our church. I know that people have lost jobs, millions of people have had to um, apply for unemployment, and if you've been watching us online and following us, you know that we launched an initiative called Hope at Home. Yes, we've been doing church at home, and we want you to gather and meet with Jesus right in your living rooms, but we know there's practical needs that need to be met as well, so we want to bring hope directly to your home, help get some food in your refrigerator. We've been partnering with families for childcare. And just this last week, with so many people losing their source of income, we've been able to meet small needs until those first unemployment checks start to roll in. And so we're doing everything we can and your giving matters so much. We continue to talk about generosity and do things like I'm about to do now, which is collect an offering because we know there are thousands of people watching from all over, not even just LA right now, that have been giving and sowing and believing that God is going to use that generosity to bless another family. And I wanna say thank you, and I know God is honored. And so as you continue to give, keep paying attention because every Monday we're gonna be talking about what Hope at Home is doing and the people that it's encouraging. And so I wanna uh, continue to just ask that you would continue to do what you can. You know, we've had people give uh, $5, we've had people give $5,000. Everybody's doing what they can and doing their part. And I know that God is using it all together for the good of the people he loves so much and he's multiplying it and blessing it. So we're gonna pray for this offering and I believe God's best for each and every person watching this right now. And then we're gonna get into a real encouraging message on forgiveness. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we know that we can trust you. Lord, we know that you are a provider. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless both the giver um, and the people that are receiving these gifts right now. Um, Lord, that need to know that you're for them, that you're with them. God, we know that you're working right now. Even if we can't see it, Lord, we trust you. We know that you're working in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you tuned in on Monday night, please, if you haven't got a chance to do that, please do so. Monday night was on sin and the fall and how humanity went wrong. And then last night was on repentance, which is a beautiful word to change our mind after being with God and encountering God. And tonight, I think is going to be a marker for you spiritually. I think you're going to be able to point back to this Wednesday night midweek service in the middle of quarantine, in the middle of a pandemic, and something's going to shift in your life because tonight we are talking about forgiveness. And forgiveness is an interesting topic because this is the one topic where we actually need to have a certain sense of humility to even realize and recognize that we need forgiveness. I think a lot of times we try to justify our behaviors, our actions before God, or we even say things like, this is who I am, or I'm doing me, 
And it takes a bit of humility to realize that we need a savior and we need to be forgiven by God. Interesting enough, sometimes people can have so much pride or so much arrogance. We think God owes us an apology. I don't know if you've been like that sometimes. I've felt like God owed me something or when things don't go my way or something happens that's disappointing, I can actually think that God needs my forgiveness. And I really believe that it's time for us as a city, it's time for us as God's people and as a nation to humble ourselves and ask God for forgiveness. I brought up earlier that sometimes we can be so arrogant that we think that God needs our forgiveness and we're the ones making the decisions. Proverbs 19 verse 3 says something interesting. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they are angry at the Lord. I'm going to read that again. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they are angry at the Lord. God is not mad at us for the things that we do. Um, he, he wants to have a relationship with us and he wants to express his love and his grace. But sometimes we can be in a place where things aren't going our way. So we're mad at God. And I'm going to let you know, I get that. Maybe you're out there right now and you're mad at God and you lost your job. You're like, I, I went to church every Sunday. I tithe every Sunday. But I want to I want to encourage you with something. And hopefully this gives you peace that your hard times does not mean God is not present. Matter of fact, that could be the catalyst for you even recognizing God's presence in your life even more. For some reason, it's these wilderness seasons, these trials that test our faith, that make us turn to God and have even a, a more special relationship with Jesus. So what I'm asking for God to do, my prayer is not that God would make sure that his people never go through anything, but that he would meet us in the fire, if you will, and lead us out of it. And I gotta believe that's what God is doing for you. So be encouraged, God is with you. You will get through this. If you look back a few times in your life, you will realize that you, this is not your first tough season. God will lead you, he led you out, he's guided you and he's protected you and he's brought you to this point. He didn't bring you this far to leave you here. And this is a time that even though we can kind of shift it a little bit because things are not great as a nation, things are not great as a city, we can kind of turn our hearts and go, you know, hey, God, you, you owe me an apology for this season. God, I, I don't know how I'm going to forgive you. When really the catalyst for healing multiple times throughout Scripture is that when we get forgiveness from God, it triggers healing in our own lives. I want to read to you a story from Matthew 9 verses 1 through 6, where a moment of forgiveness preceded a moment of healing. Uh, Matthew 9 verse 1, Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, this has nothing to do with my message, but in this season I need some people around me with some faith because the Bible says that he didn't see the paralyzed man's faith. He said he, it says he saw their friend's faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, can I just stop there for a second before I jump into forgiveness? Are you hanging out with people so fire, so lit up with the Holy Spirit that in a season where you're struggling with your faith and you are dealing with an issue that Jesus could see the homie's faith and decide he's going to heal you? Can you imagine that picture talking about keeping good company and making sure that we are surrounded by people of faith. It says that Jesus said, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, your sins 
are forgiven. I got to stop right there because we're in the middle of like a pandemic in case you've been under a rock and have been watching the news. And I'm really asking God, I've been stuck in the house for, for three weeks. My wife has been doing most of the homeschool. Like my math is like, once we get past like geometry, like that's it for me. Like I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not good at math, but it's like we're in the middle of this crazy time and, and, and people need healing and people need jobs and people need money. This man can't walk. He's on a mat. His friends bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus and Jesus doesn't address the fact that he can't move or go anywhere. He addresses forgiveness. It seems to be an order there that confuses me during a time like this because I'm human. I need God to do something about what's going on right now. And I could imagine being there with the friends as they're sweating, dripping sweat, carrying their friend on a mat. Like this is our moment. And then Jesus doesn't heal him, but says, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. This is a profound revelation that we would have courage because be encouraged means to be encouraged for you to have supernatural courage in your spirit. So we're supposed to be encouraged because our sins are forgiven. I think that is a powerful request that Jesus made to the paralyzed man. You can't walk. You can't move. You are stuck where you are. But since I have forgiven you of your sins, you need to be encouraged. I know you're quarantined. I know you can't go anywhere. I know this season is terrible. Everyone is agreement that this might be one of the worst times our nation has ever seen. But I wonder if the spirit of God could tell you right where you are, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. You have a savior. Jesus loves you. There is grace for you. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. And then it says, but some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? No, he doesn't think he's God. He knows he's God. And then it says in verse four, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? I want you to catch verse six. This is so important. So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. I, I want you to see that. I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he told Jesus to do. So he told the man to do three things. Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. I, I really want to encourage Somebody out there who's been praying, we pray with our family every night. Dallas and Bailey, unfortunately, know what the coronavirus is, and they pray every night for God to end the coronavirus. But what if all these prayers, globally, people are praying for healing? And what if, what if God eradicates this coronavirus in record time? And what if it's to show that he has the authority to forgive sins? I'm not saying that God is waiting to get rid of the coronavirus until we're forgiven of our sins. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this scripture seems to suggest that forgiveness and healing are parallel and run alongside each other. 
this is not the only passage of scripture that brings that up. And I think it's important for us to know what forgiveness means because we can kind of be confused on the definition. In the original Greek language, which this has is, is been translated from, forgiveness means a couple of things, actually. It means to send away, send something away, or release someone from obligation or debt. It means to send away, to separate, and it means to pay for, to release someone from obligation or debt, to send away and to pay for. This is an important concept that we have to understand about forgiveness. When God forgives you and I, and I'm so grateful for a forgiving and gracious God, when God forgives you and I, he does two things. He understands that our sins have been paid for by Jesus, and then he sends away our sins, separates it. So he gives Jesus, Friday, you've got to tune in. You're going to be hearing the message of the cross and the gospel and salvation. But the way it works is he gave Jesus the consequences, the punishment. The cross was the punishment for our sins, even though Jesus didn't do anything wrong. But then he didn't stop there. He didn't just punish Jesus for our sins. He then used, because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, he then separated our sins from us and called us righteous. So two things happen, and this is what forgiveness is, and you've got to understand this. It's so important, and it means to send away or separate, but it also means to release from an obligation of debt. Jesus paid for our sins, and then our sins were sent away and removed. There's a beautiful picture of this in Leviticus chapter 16. I know what you're thinking. The pastor done went to Leviticus? Let's go. Leviticus 16 verses 3 through 10 say this. This is actually Aaron, the high priest at that time, and there was a lot of rules around sacrifice. And this passage of scripture takes place, Leviticus 16, on what would be the Day of Atonement, where once a year a high priest went and made sacrifices um, on behalf of God's people so that people once a year were forgiven of their sins. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest once a year went into the, the, the inner the courtyard and the inner sanctuary once a year and made sacrifices year after year to atone for the sins of the people so they could be forgiven and keep their relationship with the Lord. Um, I don't have time to get into all of it, but Jesus is the permanent sacrifice. So now we don't have to do that every year because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But I want to read to you something that took place that explains forgiveness in a beautiful way. Remember, forgiveness meaning to send away or to release from obligation or debt, something needed to be paid for. Leviticus 16 verse 3 says, when Aaron enters the sanctuary area, this is God talking, he must follow these instructions fully. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and his linen undergarments, come on linen draws, worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. There's a beautiful passage of scripture in Ezekiel that talked about why they wore linen. Um, and, it, and it said the reason why they wore linen is that they wear light fabric. They were fabric. They were not allowed to sweat in the presence of God. You weren't allowed to stress or work hard or perspire in God's presence. One of the things that's a sign of the presence of God is no sweat, no stress, and no anxiety. And so this is why they had to wear linen. And then God goes, hey, these are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. Verse 5 says, Aaron must take 
from the community of Israel, two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. God wanted Aaron to have two male goats, and we're going to hear why there were two. He says that he's to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord. So one of those goats has got to go. One of the goats is going to die. And which will carry the sins of the people into the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat cho chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat, chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. You heard that terminology, right? Hey, they're trying to make me a scapegoat. They're trying to put the blame on me. Well, that terminology, scapegoat, is a biblical terminology. It comes from Leviticus 16. God asked Aaron to have two goats. Now keep in mind, what is our definition of forgiveness? Penalty paid for, debt released, and to be sent away, separated from. So the Bible says that God made Aaron have two goats. One of them had to die, had to pay the penalty for God's people and their sin. The other one was kept alive, called a scapegoat. And Aaron would lay hands on the scapegoat, transferring symbolically, of course, and spiritually during that time, transferring the sins of the people to the goat. And then they would take a guy who would drive the goat out into the wilderness, and it would represent the sins being separated from the people and the penalty being paid. This is profound. Can you imagine the Israelites watching the goat being killed, knowing the goat had to die because of what they did. The goat didn't do anything wrong. Little Poor little billy goat, whatever kind of goat it was, didn't do anything wrong. And you're watching a goat die. Watching a goat die, realizing the goat died because of what you did. That is a painful experience. But then maybe a joyous experience was watching the goat being released, the one that represent not just God, watching God um, have something die because of what you did, but watching God in his grace send your sin as far away from you as it could possibly be. Jesus on the cross represented these two offerings together. He had to die, right? But he also lived. And it's a beautiful picture of what forgiveness is in Leviticus 16 for to have a debt released, but also to have your sins separated from you. This is really powerful that we understand this context that so many times forgiveness preceded healing. Look at Psalm 103 verses one through three, a Psalm of David, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And here's verse three. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. We have it again. There is a precedence here where it seems to be throughout scripture that God deals with forgiveness and then deals with healing. I'm not suggesting that God is waiting and wanting people to suffer. I'm just suggesting that these two things might be a powerful, potent, 
formula for the healing of this land and this nation from the coronavirus. A wave of forgiveness just might produce a wave of healing in the name of Jesus. And I know that we are bold enough to ask for healing, but are we humble enough to ask for forgiveness? Because throughout scripture, forgiveness multiple times preceded healing. Look at that. Psalm 103, a couple verses later, 12. Through 14, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what God does when he forgives? Another passage of scripture that suggests that forgiveness and healing are a bit of a package deal is Isaiah 53 verse 5 but he was pierced for our rebellion they're talking about when jesus was on the cross and he was and he was stabbed in his side he was crushed for our sins uh, the other translation is bruised he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped so we could be healed do you see the parallel yet again that's the third passage of scripture that i've read so far that seems to suggest that there is this precedence that forgiveness and healing is a wonderful package deal. Forgiveness is your sin being paid for, but also being removed from you. I really believe if we can humble ourselves and ask God for forgiveness, we can also be bold enough to ask him for healing. Humility and boldness is going to be so key to this city and to this nation. If I am your pastor or you are watching, I really believe the combination of boldness and humility, humble enough to ask for forgiveness, bold enough to ask for healing, will create a potent prayer life that will end this coronavirus quickly and swiftly. And so what do we do when God gives us this type of beautiful forgiveness? What do we do when we get to watch basically spiritually um, a goat run off into the wilderness with our sin and another one pay the price for it. What do we do when we recognize that Jesus became the perfect sacrifice? He did both of those things. What do we do when we are humble enough and joyful enough to receive that kind of forgiveness? Well, we forgive others and we do for others what God did for us. I'm going to close with Luke 6 verse 27 through 37. Jesus says this, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt as well. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do. To you if you love only those who love you why should you get credit for that even sinners love those who love them and if you do good only to those who do good to you why should you get credit even sinners do that much and if you lend money only to those who can repay you why should you get credit even sinners will lend to others for a full return if i owe you some money this is your time to receive and he closes with love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. 
then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. You have to be careful who you condemn, who you publicly vilify, because if you do that, you condemn others, it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. I've actually heard this passage of scripture in an offering and it doesn't have anything to do with money. This is talking about forgiveness. Running and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give, you get back. I want to pray for you and I want to close with this quote from the theologian Lewis Smeeds. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Don't let unforgiveness make you a prisoner. Forgive. Let it go. The entire gospel is God letting things go. So how can we expect God to send people to a church to hear a message about letting things go and we won't let things go?